Prince of Peace. Lord, we thank you that we can praise you. And in our praise, we magnify you. And you come in all your glory. You come and you magnify yourself in such a way that we can encounter you as our Lord and our Saviour and as the Prince of Peace. Lord, I pray that this morning you would instill deep purpose within us as we rise up to being your people. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity it is to be together. We're grateful and uh, we give you thanks for all this. So Lord, speak to us now uh, as we just allow your word to shape and form us more into your image. Uh, So we give you thanks and praise. And everyone said, Amen. All right, I just pulled lead pastor rights. And uh, so I went out to our youth group who were meeting and I said, guys, I'm talking on leadership this morning and I know that Costas wants you to read through the book of Acts and that'll be there again. You'll be able to talk about, see the Holy Spirit, how it worked through the church. But I wanted to invite you back in for this message. Can we give a big round of applause for our youth group and our youth leaders? This is the time, guys, where you go, yeah, yeah, we're the next generation. Yes. Let's do that again. Yeah, yeah, we're the next generation. All right. And, uh, and it's, it's just so I wanted you to be in this uh, time because, you know, I was, I mean, as you know, I'm the third of four boys. And so I had, I had two big brothers who uh, kind of influenced a lot of the things we did. Uh, but that's another story. But certainly I was given opportunities to uh, kind of step out of that. And at around about 13, I was invited to be an assistant leader in kids' church. And around about 16 years old, I was given a youth group at uh, Beaumont to look after. Uh, eventually, I was kind of given a team to be involved in. Uh, and then I was also given opportunities to travel and, and lead people on that. And then I was given a, a youth ministry here. And then by God's grace, people called me into uh, giving leadership across the church. And that's been my, my story. Um, and the, the cool thing about that is that I actually am very poor at doing anything on my own, right? And so I've been always had incredible teams around me and incredible te- people around me. And what I do want to say is that if God is planting something in you, which is of a leadership uh, moment, then I encourage you to embrace that, okay? Because, you know, one day I'm going to get old, right? And that might be next year and, or the year after. But God, by his spirit, plants something in every generation and says, I'm going to entrust the greatest cause in the world to someone. I'm going to entrust a word. I'm going to entrust a vision and I'm going to place it in receptive hearts and hands, and I'm going to call them out to be the generation of leaders that my church needs, that my people need in the era that they're called to. And my prayer is that in some way the Spirit of God would fall upon you all, or someone in particular, and you would have a stirring within you which goes, you know what, my, my life is going to make a difference, and I'm going to align myself with the good news of Jesus Christ and I'm going to let that stir itself up within me and maybe by God's grace he might use me for his glory and I am by God's grace, my own eyes see the transformation that great leaders give which see lives changed and my prayer is that somehow the spirit of God would fall upon you and that would stir something up as Paul writes to Timothy, fan into flame the gift that is within you. 
Don't be also rans. Be a generation which does something significant for the Lord. So welcome back into the service. All right. Uh, we're going to be talking about leadership. It's the indispensable quality needed to move people from A to B. And the reality is, is that this is needed everywhere and constantly. In fact, it never stops, is what I've noticed. Uh, and I, we're talking about leadership and leading teams. And what I've, I was kind of playing around with the title a fair bit for this message. And I titled it, One Step Forward, Two Steps In. And the reason why I've called it One Step Forward and Two Steps In is that we often we think about leadership, it's just someone who's out the front, you know, taking the next hill, out of the trenches first, moving forward. And then, you know what, if they get too far out in advance, there's just someone out taking a walk. But two steps in is like, you know what, yes, I believe that God is revealing something, we're moving forward, but I have to move with the people. I have to be in amongst it that the whole idea of taking a step forward, stepping into a vision, giving leadership, is not about a position. It is not about a step in where everyone's just serving you. No, it is about revealing something that God is doing, trusting that, and then stepping back and inviting people in to the incredible journey. You see, life is very poor if you're just doing it on your own. But the richness is the journey together for the promises and the vision that God might have for you. My greatest joy is, yes, achieving great visions and God's glory, but I'll tell you what, I love having fun doing it with you lot. And whoever's online, happy to do it with you as well. And uh, we get into that. Uh, you know what? We always need to be aware that we do it together and you need leaders to get you where you need to go. 27 years ago, I was a university student and I went an exchange program to California. I went and studied at University of California in Santa Barbara. And I was on a thirst for adventure, an insatiable desire just to do things which were, you know, kind of radical. This is before the internet. And, and so I jumped on a plane and went to California. And part of what they had in the program there was an opportunity for people to go on a hiking trip to what is the most amazing national park in the whole wide world, Yosemite National Park, right in the Sierra Range there. Has anyone been to Yosemite? Okay, so I'm going to stir this up. The rest of you are going to want to go, but you can't, right? So it's just unfair. But the Sierra National Park is amazing. You drive up through these windy mountains, and then you go through this tunnel, and then the whole valley which was carved out by a glacier millions of years ago, just opens up before you. And you, just, and you take a photo, and every photo looks like you know what you're doing as a photographer. It just comes out beautifully. Anyway, we had this opportunity to go on a hiking trip to climb what is the Half Dome, which sits right at the back of Yosemite Valley. And so uh, we got this, the, you know, they kind of brought this group of university students together. They got us all prepped, what we needed, uh, all the food. They said, you're going to need to carry this pack. It's around a 20k round trip. We're going to have a couple of nights staying in the wilderness and we're going to uh, hike up to the half dome. And, uh, and they sold this vision for us. They said, you get to the top of the half dome and you can see all the way down the valley. You'll have the fresh air 
and it's going to be hard work to get there, but it's going to be just amazing. And so we got everything. They said, and best be aware that you've got to carry your pack the whole way. So don't carry too much extra. Why is that? Because it's just going to get heavy. You're going to be walking past waterfalls. You're going to go all these switchbacks, and then you're going to get up to the top of the half dome. So off we went. And uh, I was packed up, ready to go. And uh, what we know about the half dome is it sits about 5,000 feet above the valley, which is almost kind of two k's. This is me kind of on that, on that walk with my gear, with this team. And they'd go up past these waterfalls, all these switchbacks going up. And then we'd kind of camp. And then for the next day, we got ready to climb the half dome. On that next day, we left our packs at the campsite and then scaled up using these cables up the half dome. Now the thing is, right, we had this team leader who was just fantastic at keeping us motivated. He said, I know it's hard. I know your feet hurt. I know your packs are heavy. I know that you haven't slept well because you've been out, you know, kind of on these thin mattresses. I know you're worried about the bears. <laughs> he didn't talk about that before we were out here. But don't worry, the vision is going to be amazing. It is worth every step. And he'd stop and he'd motivate us as we went up. And fair enough, when we got to the top, we got to look over. Have we got those pictures, Canter Garage? Next one. Oh, I can see it here. Huh? Have we got it? Back, I reckon. Climbed up to the top. Have a look there. <laughs> of the half dome. And the team leader said, listen, you can look over the edge. Now, you would have thought, you know, safety would have been... No. The, the most safety that you've got is that heart and mouth feeling, Right? And so I literally had someone hold my legs and looked over the edge. Come up, yeah? And as I looked over, I couldn't believe it, but I saw people climbing up, rock climbing. And up they came. And uh, it was just phenomenal. Now, the reality was, you know, as much as we were ready for adventure, it was a very tough walk to get there. It was just very, very difficult. And the, uh, the view, though, I don't know what's come up. There we go. Uh, have another look at that. That's me looking out over the valley and looking over the edge was just phenomenal. And so what it required, though, was a team leader to get us there. And that quality of leadership to get a team up and back safely. Everything's going a bit sticky here. Have you just changed that for me as well? Next one. Uh, wrong way. Great. And again, thanks. And so, friends, what we realise is that every one of us actually has more influence than what we realise. Because... A lot of life is about moving people from A to B. And all of us who have been around for a little bit longer going, 
Yeah, that's right. For parents, it's about growing young people from where they're at to being interdependent young adults into life. It's knowing what's going to be right for that. For a coach who has a team, it's about, yes, we want to win, but we want to have a culture here which is you know, outstanding. We want to have a team which resonates well and it requires leadership to do that. For someone in a job, okay, here's a project, here's four people together, we want you to work on that together. We just don't want you doing it on your own. We want you to do it and get to the end together. Leadership is actually happening all the time in many different places and it's always to get to something bigger and better in the, under the Lord. And so it's a vital skill that we are to, to develop. When we look at the words of Jesus, we see that this happened for him. In Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus leading his disciples. And Jesus does this in a way which is challenging because we see him doing it in a way which uh, stirs up within people their willingness to actually really follow. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, it says this, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Of course you would, it's Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus challenges this on them and said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What we have here is Jesus actually knows where he needs to go to the other side. And, and people say, yeah, we'll follow you wherever you go. But he challenges that. He says, will you really follow me? Will you really kind of give up some of your own things to join in the greater mission? Will you really follow me to where I need to go? And Jesus senses that and puts the rub on it. For leadership is inviting followers to give up something of themselves for a greater cause. And it goes on in this scripture. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. This leader in Jesus knew where he wanted to go, and because of that, he was at ease. He was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? What we gather in this text is this unique ability that Jesus has to be at ease with where it is that he is going. And he challenges those who are following to come with him. But what is interesting here in this text is that Jesus already is at ease about him getting to the other side, so he is able to get to sleep. But those who are his followers, his disciples, his team who are with him, they are nervous about this. The storm arises up around him. And yet Jesus just comes to him and says, hey, look, I can steal that. But the big goal is for us to get to the other side. That's where I'm at ease. 
And I think it's fascinating that here the disciples, they're amazed that he can calm the sea and less amazed that just got Jesus can get them to where they need to go. What we see here is that Jesus inherently knows that they will get to the other side. And that's what a leader is seeking to develop, to understand. We will get you through this. We will get you from A to B. We will grow you into what you need to do. God is with us. He's gone before us. He knows where we need to get to. And this is leadership. And friends, many of us have more influence than what we realise. It touches us in many different ways. And when we get a sense of what's before us, we need to step into that. This is what I've come to understand about leadership. It is both an art and a science. It's intuitively knowing and it's really knowing. And leadership is particularly difficult to work through when things are unpredictable because you're trusting a whole lot of work to know how to get from A to B. This is the realm that Jesus mastered. Things were unpredictable. The kingdom of God was breaking in. Things were shifting. The status quo was getting disrupted. And he intuitively knew what to do. And he was going to call them there. And then he would describe and talk it through. So if you're understanding your leadership gift, there is this sense that sometimes just something prompting you is wanting to move you from A to B and to take others with you. And then there's other parts where you go, you know what, let's just get all the stats and all the facts and we can get that together. Then we can make the right decision to go forward. Leadership, I believe Christian leadership, is both. It requires intuitive and it requires the facts and the real to all come together. The best way to do this is in teams. I'm more of an intuitive leader. But to let you know, those who are intuitive... Hey, makes perfect sense to me. Oh, this is just what, the way we need to go. Then others go, well, you know, hold on, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's get this into the realm of how we might understand it, how that works together. And so we work together as a team and put this together to move people from A to B. And so it works together in that way. Leaders who are moving people from A to B work on both the intuitive the Holy Spirit and working with that, and the facts. And then when they start moving things forward, it's very important to stay the course. And the way to stay the course is define reality and then communicate the greater vision. What's it mean to stay the course? What that means is, remember, we're going to get to the other side. How we're going to get there? doesn't really matter, but that's the way we're going to get there. Here Jesus is in the boat. We're going to get to the other side. But there was this reality. There's a storm coming up around us. Are we going to get to that? He said, well, let's deal with the storm, but we're going to get to the other side. Let's take a moment and time out on right on the place on where we're going at the moment, who we are as God's people. We can define the reality. Yes, there's a pandemic going on. It affects us all, the way we're feeling about ourselves. That's the reality. We talk about it. We're honest about it. We're aware of the impact on our mental or social health, etc., how it's impacting us. But we don't just sit in that reality. Because if we just sit in that reality, we find that we just deteriorate into the negative parts of who we are. And yet God has a greater vision always. 
He said, calls us to be. Yes, well, that's the reality, but we're called to be God's people. We're called to live for the kingdom of God. So you define reality, but then we reach for something else. We have a vision as a church. We want to be everyday people with an alive, everyday faith. That faith impacts everything which is going on. We want to be a people which belonging is just the beginning, a sense of community, but that's just the step in. We want to be a local church full of local people ministering into our local schools, into our local communities, into the local homes, into our local valley. That's the great vision. And it risks us up out of the reality that we are just dealing with. When you're a leader, sometimes the most hard thing to do is to stay the course. I lament the number of leaders that I've seen. I said, if you just stayed the course, you would have got to where you needed to be. And the people who are following you would have got there as well. It's very difficult when all of a sudden, you know, the winds and the waves are coming up and you're going, oh, it shouldn't be this hard. Or, heck, I wasn't expecting that. Or I'm feeling wounded or I'm feeling knocked around. And to stay the course is absolutely necessary to get to the other side. What I often pray for, for those who are stepping into leadership, is this, that they would have resilience. That they would have this deep sense that God is in control. That there is a calling upon their life. That they are there for a reason. That they have a sense of what God has placed them is, is, is worth enduring for, to getting towards. There's nothing in the scriptures which says for you to be a disciple, it's going to be comfortable. But there's a whole lot about saying, be about ushering in the kingdom of God and using your influence for that to happen. So, great leaders, stay the course. The other thing that great leaders do, or good leaders do, is that they take on the way of Jesus through servanthood. One of our values as a church here is that we would live out practical service. In fact, Jesus exemplified the strength of his leadership when he said, I have come to serve. And our church is full of putting that value first in terms of helping us serve together. Serving uh, other people is the greatest way to learn about how leaders get people to the other side. John Maxwell is one of the leading Christian thinkers on uh, leadership and he talks about the difference between self-serving leaders and those who are serving leaders. He says, self-serving leaders, they ask this question, what are others doing for me? Some people want to get into leadership because they think, you know what, this is going to be great. I'm going to sit in there at that spot and everyone's going to do everything for me. You know what? If you think that's what it's going to be like, you'll find that you're just doing everything yourself. And self, the way of Christ and the leadership is to serve others. Serving leaders ask, what am I doing for others? How am I helping someone else flourish? How am I opening up an opportunity? How am I getting alongside of them? Self-serving leaders see people as workers they own, whereas serving leaders see people as teammates on loan. I love that. Partnering together. Self-serving leaders put their own interests ahead of the teams, whereas serving leaders put the team's interests ahead of their own. 
this team leader who took us to the top of the half dome. You know, he could have just gone and hiked that himself any time he wanted. He, he knew the route. He knew what he needed, but he didn't. He said, I'll, I'll make sure you all get there. I'll make sure you all have what you need. And together we're going to explore and enjoy this vista together. Things are much richer when you get to the other side and enjoy the outside together. Self-serving leaders manipulate people to their own advantage, whereas serving leaders motivate people for mutual advantage. Now, if you want to become the best leader you can, learn how to serve. And I'm grateful that the ministry of Hope Valley is full of servant leaders. That is the way we get to where God wants us to go, how we can be a local church serving one another and the richness that that brings. Final quality that I want to talk about that leaders use to get people from A to B is they use boldness. They take a few risks. They go, you know what, just the status quo of where we're at, I'm getting a holy discontent stirring up something that I can't sit with anymore and, and I need to go forward and we're going to have to talk it through and work it through and step out a little bit. And to do that requires character and it requires courage. Character plus courage equals boldness. Having been in the leadership gig for some time, so I'm going to show you there's time where you go, you know, I don't want to be bold anymore. I've had enough of boldness. I've had enough of people going, oh, you know, could have done that better. Oh, you know, you sure? You know, I don't want to be bold. But then I reflect back on my leadership journey. And I know that when my character is right, right before God, and I sense a stirring of courage, that the boldness starts to emerge. And I think, you know, if, I don't think we would be where we are if at some point I didn't lay it on the line and went, this is where we're going. Let's join together. Let's go as a team. What have we got? What resources can we draw on? I'd take one step forward, the bold, and then come back in amongst them and say, this is where we are going together. How are we going to do that? And the challenge is, as you get older, is how to keep being bold, right? It's, it's actually, that's the challenge. Sometimes when you're young and the naivety of youth, enjoy it, right? You go, hey, I'm bold, I'm, I'm going to risk take it, no problems. I'll climb the half dome, hey, give me a parachute, I'll get down. But to remain bold, to keep people moving from A to B, requires that sense of the Holy Spirit convicting you again, making sure your character's right, being courageous enough to take that step forward. You know what? God will take us again as a church, friends. You know, I mean, I sense that there's a boldness coming through from our worship, courage and character. Let's, let's break in new ground. Uh, you know, I can sense that there's, you know, work going on, which, you know, is, is going to be incredibly fruitful as we go, how can we serve our community? How can we go, be God's people? How can we be bold again? Now's the time we think, you know what? It could be easy just to be comfortable. God be saying, there's new creative ways that we can be ministering in the gospel, that we can be building a community which touches and changes lives. There's new creative ways where we can equip people to serve. God is not done. He's not done. He goes, I need some leaders. 
I need some influencers. I need someone to be bold. I need someone with courage to step in, step forward, and we grow together. I mean, I just love the way in which our kids' ministry team constantly are equipping our young people to know the promises of God. They are sowing in the promises that that might turn into bold leadership later on. Our young people, you guys are awesome. Keep bold. I want to talk about someone here this morning who was remarkable in my life and influenced me in a deeply and profound way. What they did was they actually, for me, showed the way of Christ in a way which I think the story needs to continue to be told. And it's the connection to our church which we should hold on to, a faithful person who... uh, is a part of our heritage and a part of our story. And we celebrate her because it's a part of the heritage in which we stand so that we might continue to be bold and inspired ourselves as we make a difference. See, many, many years ago when I was a youth pastor and was fit and I could have climbed the half dome, there was a girl who came into our youth ministry. Uh, She was a twin, identical, and she came in with a couple of other sisters as well. Uh, she was incredibly smart, so articulate. Every time she spoke, every word seemed to just hang in the air. She had that right from year 11. And she developed in such a way that we were at, when she finished school, she went in and started studying psychology. And as she studied psychology, uh, we saw this girl has got so much potential and we engaged her in our kids' ministry. She was unbelievable in sharing the truths of the gospel. She was vibrant. She was always excited, it seemed. And as she studied and massaged her mind and devoted herself to the Lord, uh, the Lord spoke to her in a very profound way because she prayed a very dangerous prayer. She prayed this, Lord, wherever it is that you want to send me, I will go. That was her prayer. Now, her name's Steph Lockery. Steph was a very dear friend of mine. As much as I was a youth pastor, she soon was teaching me all sorts of things about what it meant to follow Jesus, how to be bold, how to be a servant leader, how to see more and before about what God could do. Well, God spoke to Steph and said, now that you're a trained clinical psychologist, I'm going to send you to Kabul in Afghanistan. And so Steph gave up the dreams of a young woman of getting married and starting a family and went deep into Afghanistan. And there worked with the women of, the, of that country and in that city, women who had been under oppression, women who had never known what it meant to uh, be educated or to live with a sense of hope. And she was so graceful, Steph, that she said, I was so privileged that they would open up their doors and invite me into their lives. She didn't come with all the answers. She came where they were at and helped journey with them. She was on that same travel from A to B with her. Steph would come back for uh, kind of times away from that. It was a very intensive ministry and come and be uh, back in Adelaide. And we'd often get her to speak here at Hope Valley. Who heard Steph speak? A number of you. 
uh, uh, just a few years ago, 2017, Steph came and spoke uh, here at Hope Valley. And she said, Kynan, I'm not feeling too good. I said, well, she said, I'm getting myself checked out. Uh, Steph had a cancer which ravaged her and she didn't last long and she passed away. Two weeks before she passed away, I went and sat with Steph. I said, uh, Steph, uh, you know, you're just amazing. You've inspired me. She was so gracious. She kept on asking about me and our church and so on. It was a total inspiration. She said, I'm just really distressed that I won't be able to go back to the women of Afghanistan. But then as she was really nearing that she was going to come to the end of her life, she said to me these words. She said, Kynan, do you think the Lord will receive me? And I went, gosh, of anyone, Steph. I said, you'll get there and the Lord will go, I'm here and you don't need to fear that one little bit. But Steph, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people who have been impacted by your ministry. The way you ministered Christ then gave hope. And I'm one of those and I'm grateful. See, Steph believed in the dignity of people. She believed that she could uh, make a difference. She was outrageously bold, furious in love, intelligent beyond comprehension, gracious. And there are many people who give testament to who Steph Lockery was in the ministry that she had. And I guess I made a commitment at that point that her story needs to be told. You know, and right now as we process what's going on in that country, there'd be a number of women who would also be grateful for the opportunity that they had to be with her as she helped unlock their minds. Now, some of you might be thinking, God, if I pray that prayer, where are you going to send me? What I do believe, though, is that every disciple who says, Lord, I am available, use me, God will speak. And I just have this sense that the church of Jesus Christ would absolutely fire up if everyone who heard what God say to them said, yes, I will do that. What would happen if we felt that flame burst within us? See, friends, it's really easy just to go, you know what, I'm just going to cruise through life. You know what, when it gets a bit tougher, I'm just going to take the easy road. But that doesn't lead to the richness that God has for us. If Steph's anything of her testimony is what she has been able to do, and I pray that the, the seeds of growth that she planted in lots of women's lives in Afghanistan will continue to flourish because they might have been able to get 130,000 people out. There's 4 million people who live in Kabul working through what it means for the days ahead for them. But my prayer is that the seed of the gospel, that there's good news, that there's hope, there is life, will be planted. And you know what? It requires leaders to plant that, to be bold, to be willing to get on that journey and to step it out. So may we be inspired. May we be challenged. May we be stirred up. May we endure. May we work together. May we go back and get ourselves each on that journey. For God isn't done with us yet. Not at all. One of our number got a little stirring on Friday. Dave Bock, and uh, he was just aware that there were Afghan families landing in Adelaide over Thursday and Friday. 
And he contacted the welcoming centre and, and just gave them a call because he had this stirring in his spirit. And they said, yes, we've got people arriving and they're coming with nothing. And he said, well, what can I do to help? And they said, well, can you get a few people together who might be able to bring some sanitary items and other things which might be able to support them? And so Dave was bold. He, he called us. He said, is there anything that we can do? And I go, well, what I do know is that we have a community of people who want to be agile for the things of God now. Yes, the future is unfolding, but let's be on it now. And so our team worked together and we were able to put out a Facebook post which has actually gone viral. And we've been receiving items which are going to be able to go towards Afghan families. Kind of closed off at 1pm today so we can just get it moving on. But friends, it came from someone who sensed a leading of the Spirit. Said, I can do something about that. It felt right. It moved us from an A to a B. Required some leadership, some stepping out, and it's going to make a massive difference. You know, leaders, we think, oh, what I've actually really discovered about leadership is this God never reveals it in such a blueprint, so, so much detail. Because if he did, it doesn't require any faith. It doesn't require you to trust God. If it was all just there, well, A, it's boring. But B, God says, listen, I'm just going to reveal enough that you might step into it and trust me for what I'm going to do. And so it's one step forward, one step out, and then two steps back. Together, we move forward as the kingdom of God as God stirs up the leadership gift within us. May we be a church that raises and stirs and fans into flame the levels of influence that we have wherever that God places us. I just have a sense that God could ignite that flame for his purpose and his glory, raising us up to a greater vision in him. Can we do that? Let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift it is to know your leading in our lives. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, you led us to Jesus that we might be known by you. You converted our hearts. And then as we became disciples, you led us to believe in the mission of your church. Not the institution which gets critiqued, but local bodies of people who called to work together, to worship you, and then to be used by you. Lord, we thank you that you have placed each of us in realms of influence that we can be stirred up to use leadership intuition and leadership skill. Heavenly Father, lead us, we pray. When it seems that things are, might be a little uncertain, guide our next step onto sure ground. When it looks like things are going to be unpredictable again, may we know that there is a predictability because you are faithful to your promises. Jesus, when we sense that you are leading us into a new place, May we see it with the eyes that you want us to see it. 
so that we can communicate it in a way which captures a new reality for more people. Our God, surround us with your presence and lead us further into your kingdom. And Lord, we thank you for those who have gone before us who have shown the way. May we be inspired and may we join their legacy in all that we do. In your name I pray. Amen.